0: Say we are, for this is the time when imagination is free to move forward and swiftly. For this is the Radio Play Hour!
1: Before smartphones, computers, and television, the imagination would be inspired by an entire
0: theatrical institute within your very own living room. You're about to listen to the voice of the drama merchant, as I invite you to get away from the present moment, and travel with me and our special guests, auras like auroras, beyond the known dimensions of time and space, within our own minds. Journey with us to the pocket universe sitting in between the decades of the 20s and 50s known as the Radio Play Hour. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Radio Play Hour where we will be reenacting Candy Matson and the Cable Car Murder during the year 1949. This year saw the beginning of the Cold War a term used to describe the relationship between the United States and Soviet Union. The formation of ASIO, the Australian security organization by the then Australian Prime Minister Ben Chiefly, and Dame Enid Mural Lyons, who became the first woman in Australian politics to sit in the House of Representatives in 1943, was re-elected in 1949. It also brought Candy Matson to the American airwaves. The next voice you will hear is that of the resident arts journalist in the Radio Play Hour, Giles Pendleberry. Ahoy hoy listeners. Yes, Candy Matson, a progressive, wisecracking,
2: private investigator operating in a male-dominated world. Candy was the brainchild of writer, director and producer Monty Masters. Masters had originally conceived the character as a male PI to be played by himself, but the story goes that his mother-in-law persuaded him to create a female lead. The result was that the part went to his actress wife,
0: Natalie Masters, who helped the show achieve an award-winning status by 1950. Set in this post-war era, when the average woman was returning to the home, having been in the workforce while many men were away at war, we are going to recreate an episode of this revolutionary character slash radio series. But first, I can see Giles would like to ask a couple of questions to our special guests.
2: I'm delighted to meet our time-travelling guests from the future, Kat Della and Shawnee Miller of Auras Like Auroras. Hello. Hi. Hey. Uh, Please, can you tell us a little bit about your musical background? Ladies
3: Uh, first.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Um, Started off playing piano, doing theatre, discovered guitar and rock and roll and been doing that ever since.
3: I basically was uh, pretty much a kid like the cable guy and used to watch heaps of movies and mimic everything and then I ended up mimicking singers and thought I could sing and then started to to do music at around about 12-ish. Okay,
2: great. So has that affected what the music that you play now
1: in any way? absolutely so the dynamics and stuff you lose you learn from theater and piano then bringing that to rock and roll and what we write ourselves blues um all the emotion and dynamics of that sort of um articulates what we're creating don't you think
3: yes i mean you're you're highly trained of just bedroom mainly up up until a certain point but uh yeah it did it did to me because like all the different voices i do make sure i can sort of do different vocal styles and things yeah
2: yeah. okay excellent so how did you two come about meeting and creating this or is like a roar, it's the sound. <laughs>
3: um, Facebook and Bumble. <laughs> that's, that's, a really that's, good, first date. Facebook. <laughs> good first date. Facebook, what is this Facebook you speak of?
1: <laughs> oh, well, it, something from
3: the future. Yeah, oh. in the future, it's something that's the best of times and the worst of times. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, let <laughs> you figure the rest out. Okay, excellent that. So what are your musical
2: plans for the next, I guess, 12 months ahead in your time?
1: Well, we want to write and record our album. Yep. and start digging yeah
3: yeah we're basically because of uh because in the future where we come from technology's come a, f- a fair bit a, f- a fair way <laughs>
1: a long way it's a long way um
3: so we're gonna like just record and write an album sort of digitally and then do the rest of it the other way yeah.
2: digitally sounds fascinating <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: Cool. okay well I guess
2: I'm sure there are ways in the future where people will be able to follow you. And I'm like, <laughs> now I'm sure it would be a lot
3: easier possibly. That is true. How would,
2: how would they do that?
3: <laughs> from our time, uh, there's two things called Facebook and Instagram. And if you're listening from our time, we'll be all over those very shortly.
1: Auras like auroras.
3: Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you very much,
2: Kat, Shawnee. Thank you. Auras like auroras.
1: Thank you for taking us back to the
2: past. Well, thank you for traveling back here and telling us a little bit about what's in store for us in the future. Oh, we
3: could go on, but it would scare the shit out of you.
0: <laughs> and with that, we will begin our reenactment of Candy Matson and the Cable Car Murders. Starring in vocal appearance, Peter Simeon as Candy Matson, Shawnee Miller as Lieutenant Ray Mallard, and Roger Ellsworth. Cat Della as Rembrandt Watson and Mrs. Ellsworth.
1: <laughs> Do you have a little unresolved murder in your home? Got some blackmail you want to unload. Are
0: you the victim of some vulgar extortionist? I know a girl you should meet. She may not be the greatest private eye in the world, and so what if she does cost you
1: three or four hundred dollars? She sure is sweet. She's Candy
2: Matson. Like to meet her?
4: Yukon two, eight two o nine. Candy Matson. Well, I wasn't sure when I looked in the mirror this morning. <laughs>
1: Had a rough night, eh?
4: Oh, there have been rougher ones. Look, voice, before you get caught with my receiver down, who are you and what do you want?
2: As to who I am, you'll find that out very shortly. What I want is you.
4: How romantic. And over the phone yet.
2: Let me finish. What I want is you to lay off the cable car.
4: Oh, that. Well, I'm afraid I can't. You see, I was sitting beside the man when they discovered his transfer had been punctured. Sort of permanently. That's how things happen with me. I get into the craziest routines. You see, I used to be a model. I've been told I had the proper displacement for such a career, but I found that there wasn't enough money in it. And a girl has to eat, hasn't she? She has to maintain a nice apartment on Telegraph Hill and buy clothes to highlight the displacement I mentioned, right? Sure, so I turn private eye. You meet a better sort of class of people, mostly named Rigger or Modus. Take this cable car deal, for instance. Like to hear how the whole thing happened? Well, let's get started then. I wanted to get downtown that morning, but I couldn't take the F-train on Stockton. They were ripping up about 87 blocks, which is about half of the course. So I walked down Telegraph Hill and up Mason. That's where the Bay and Powell cable car stops. All aboard? Come on, come on. We gotta make the fair amount by quitting time. The car was loaded, and so was the character next to me. I tried to budge in between him and the Fisherman's Wharf Dowager, but I couldn't quite make it. I'd forgotten my shoehorn. Say, pardon me, would you mind reading your Wall Street Journal over that away a little bit? I'd like to sit here.
0: If you insist.
4: A night of old. He budged his hips about a quarter of an inch and I slipped in, ready for my rocket ride over the hill and down into town. The trip as usual was uneventful. Three smash fenders and several choice words that I'd never heard before. But I wrote them down. By the time our prairie schooner reached the turntable at Market Street, the crowd on the car had thinned out. But the, uh, buster was still beside me. His head buried in common and preferred. Market Street! I started to get down.
2: Hey lady, take your boyfriend with you. We're heading back up the hill.
4: Boyfriend? I don't think so.
2: Well, how do you like that? He fell asleep over his stocks and bonds.
4: I looked again. Hippy wasn't asleep. Hippy was stone cold dead on Market Street. What a twist. I always went on the prowl for a whodunit to get one tossed into my lap, literally. You see, he hadn't just gone out of this world serene-like. Oh no. There was a steady slurp slurp of blood trickling down his vest just north by northeast of the equator. About half an hour wait full of questioning by homicide leg men, I knew my morning shopping tour was rained out. After all, I was going to buy an emerald clip to match the glint in my eye. Well, that'd have to wait. I knew the next step. I grabbed a cab home, and I wasn't long in waiting. Right on cue. And if I was if it was right on cue, it would be Lieutenant Ray Mallard from headquarters daintily pressing his cuticle against my apartment buzzer. I was right.
3: Right about what?
4: I've been expecting you, Mallard. Come on in, sit down, take off your hat.
3: It is off. Have a drink? No, no, I'm not... in the mood. Yeah, just make it a double. Candy, for once I'm puzzled.
4: You're just saying that.
3: Yeah, because it's true. I've checked and rechecked, and no matter how many loose ends I tie together, I still get no connection between you and Dwight Ellsworth.
4: Dwight Whosworth?
3: Ellsworth, your
4: extremely limp
3: traveling companion on the cable car this morning.
4: Oh, Mallard, I can give you the angle on that. Yeah? Yeah, the angle being, I didn't know him from Adam. Level? Straight. Ah, oh, look, Honeypot, this mediocre dialogue is getting us nowhere. What did you haul your size 11s in here for?
3: Frankly, I don't know. Oh, here, fill it up, will you?
4: Well, you're not just going around in circles, Mallard. You're going around in doubles.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like I said before, Candy, you got a pretty view from here.
4: Oh, wait until I turn around.
3: (laughs) I mean from your window. Look at that ship down there just docking.
4: Hmm? Where? Just down there,
3: probably arriving from the far east. That's romance for you. Here's your drink. Oh, thanks.
4: Oh, I know it is sort of romantic. Don't you think it would be fun to jump a tramp like that and whisk off to the South Seas? Mm. On a honeymoon? No. That's what I thought, Mallard. South Seas. Mallard.
3: Don't don't call me
4: Mallard. Why not? We're just playing for ducks, aren't we?
3: Ah, very crisp. Playing for ducks. No, Candy, we aren't. Not in this case. We got a dead man on our hands, Rudy Toot Toot shot right through the heart, and you were sitting right next to him.
4: Sure, sure. Now, get out of here. What? You heard me. Lift your hindquarters and get back to your headquarters.
3: Candy, I don't like that look. Got something on your mind?
4: Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't recognize it if I told you about it.
3: One word of warning: Don't dabble. You're in deep enough. Got it?
4: Got it. Here's your hat. Grab it. So long, Mallard. I'll see you around the jailhouse sometime. (laughs) Fi fo fum. T'was when I smelled a great, big, fat fee. That great... Big, kind of attractive Mallard missed the boat. Oh, he saw it, but he missed it. It was that ship he saw docking. That was the first time I came out of the dark since my giant dipper of a ride down the hill that morning. I needed some help, so I called an old friend of mine. If you could call that help. Rembrandt Watson was his name. He was a photographer and other things. He spent most of his life in the darkroom dabbling with bottles. His negative end prints were sharp. His thought process, not so much. But he'd given me assistance in the past, and so I called him.
1: Rembrandt Watson speaking.
4: Photography, portraits, and camera work. Yes, Rembrandt, I know. Also
1: available for gardening, janitorial services, and babysitting.
4: Rembrandt, it's candy. Especially if they're over
1: 21. Who? Candy?
4: Now you tuned in.
1: How Dare you bother me, I was experimenting with a new type of formula. 90 proof or 100? 100. And candy. It works beautifully. There's a delightful little pixie and a pink belly skirt in my living room.
4: Well, leave her there and get over here, to my place immediately. Take a cab, I'll pay for it.
1: I would much rather have a handsome carriage with a brace of chestnuts.
4: Oh, you got them in your head. Now just do as I say and get over here. Float in, Rembrandt. Gladly.
1: Where's the man to take me cloak? Gloves and topper.
4: You're wearing a sports coat and slacks, and you know I have no man.
1: And therein lies your basic trouble, my dear. You have no man.
4: Now, Rembrandt... Every
1: man should have a woman, and every woman should have a man. It's the incontrovertible lore of the universe. Candy, you should have a man. You? You? <laughs> Sure. I'm no longer a man. I'm a sprite transcending the world.
4: Well, stop transcending for a moment and come back down to Earth. We've got a job to do.
1: How poetic. How idyllic. We've got a job to do. For money. Eventually. Oh, one of those. Very well, my dear. Bring me up to date.
4: Well, I don't really know if I can or not. Good. Then I shall leave and return to me formula. (laughs) No, no. What I meant is the whole story is so fantastic, you'd never believe it. I might. Try me, Candy. Well, I got onto the cable car and sat next to a character reading the Wall Street Journal. A
1: strange coupling, a cable car and the Wall Street Journal.
4: Yeah. And we get to the end of the line. My friend next to me is dead.
1: Probably the ride down the hill frightened him to death.
4: Nuh-uh. He looked like a used punch board. A neat little bullet hole through his heart.
1: Candy, my little ballerina friend in the pink skirt is more believable than what you just told me.
4: I told you it was fantastic. But mm, none the how, that's how it happened. Now, sooner or later, Mallet is going to come out of his fog. and When he does, I'm going to be out of a fee.
1: A fee that so far doesn't
4: exist, my pretty. It will, if my hunch is right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Go down to the Chronicle and get all the back files you can on Southern Island Steamship Company. The
1: Chronicle? A pleasure. I have a few questionable companions there who indulge in formulas. Mm,
4: stay away from those companions and just do as I ask. Very
1: well, my dove. I go, but entirely against my will.
4: And where will you be? Down the docks, Rembrandt. I've got some legwork to do.
1: Let me assure you, Candy, you have just the right equipment for it, too.
4: Wow.
0: And now, see music from Auras Like Auroras.
3: You make me feel warm like red wine.
1: You cool like white wine. When you give me those eyes, you make me blue like the blue sky. You make me feel warm like sunshine. You cool like the moonlight. When you give me those eyes.
3: Falling in love, got you falling from grace. She's got electric energy, she keeps be out of me all the very end of day. She's fine most of the time, so most times I think, no i But sometimes she's not all right, and our skies are You make me lose control, too strong, I can't
1: let go. Your light, your dark takes hold. eyes, you make me blue like a blue sky. You make me feel warm like sunshine, 'cause cool like the moonlight. But when you give me those eyes, you make me blue like a blue sky. Why you gotta be like that? That chase, that dream face, got you falling in love, got you falling from grace. He's got electric energy, and sometimes, sometimes it's I'm our enemy I'm
3: fine most of the time, so most times she pays no mind. But sometimes I'm not alright, and our skies become. You survived. make me lose control, too strong, I can't let go.
1: Your light, your dark takes hold. Same game we play I couldn't run away i choose you again I couldn't ask for Ask for Too much more you make me feel warm like red wine Cause you're cool like white wine When you give me those eyes You make me blue like the blue sky Warm like sunshine, cause you're cool like the moonlight. But when you give me those eyes, you make me blue like a blue sky, you make me feel warm like red wine, cause you cool like white wine. But when you give me those eyes, you make me blue like the blue sky. You make me feel warm like sunshine. Cause you cool like the moonlight. But when you give me those eyes. Blue like a blue sky. Why Why you gotta be like that? Why you gotta be like that? Why you gotta be like that?
0: That was Auras Like Auroras with their debut original song, Blue Like the Blue Sky. And now back to Candy Matson and the cable car murder.
4: What a joint. I'll bet they mount slit fish gullets on the wall instead of deer heads. Well, come on, Candy. Get your tools out and screw up your courage. Yeah,
2: I missed one of my big...
4: Nothing right at the moment, except information.
1: Information and water? Well, they're both free. What do you want to know?
4: I'm looking for the purser of the Dwight Cernius. I hear he does his shore duty in here.
1: Ah, oh, that's right. Name a Campbell.
4: Yeah, that's his head on the
1: ha-
0: on the table down there. It belongs to him.
4: Thanks. Hello, sailor. Hey, Campbell, wake up.
2: Uh. Oh, leave me alone.
4: Oh, come on, snap out of it. Who are you? My name's Candy Matson. I want to ask you a question. I'm only drinking. Go away. Oh, not until I find out what I want to know. Dwight Ellsworth was murdered this morning. What? Oh, I thought that would bring you to. That's the nicest news I've heard since VJ Day. What do you want to know? Where does his brother live? <laughs> that stooge. He's got about as much spine as a water eel. Oh, never mind. I want to find him. He seems to keep his whereabouts as secret as an atomic stockpile. He lives out in Seacliff, 25
2: Dashiell Road. Ask me, the whole family ought to be knocked off.
4: Bartender, buy my friend a little reward, and one for yourself, too. Well, so, so far so good. Oh, how did I know about Campbell the purser? Well, I have quite a few friends in town, most the type my friend Mallard doesn't approve of. So after leaving that little watering hole, I grabbed a cab and navigated the driver out towards Seacliff. It was so foggy, I couldn't even see the meter. But I paid him anyway and dismissed him. There it was, 25 Dash Hill Road, on a stair-looking cabana, one that dared the ringer to ring the front doorbell. I dared. had an awful feeling that I should have been around the side delivering hand laundry.
1: Good evening.
4: Except for the fog, yes. Is Mr. Ellsworth in?
1: Yes, my husband is here, but I am afraid this is not a good time. There has been a death in the family.
4: I know, that's why I'm here.
1: Come in. Thank you. Walk this way, please.
4: Oh, I'm afraid I couldn't, even if I lived to be a hundred.
1: Mind your tongue, young lady, you're in the house of an Ellsworth.
4: Ooh, hoity-toity. That old babe had delusions of grandeur. Well, no need to get uppity with me, I've mingled with royalty. Why once, I had three kings in the palm of my hand, had the silver dollar in Reno. But this old gal was really something. She couldn't have been more than 45, yet looks like something out of the Baroness of Wimple Street. She ushered me into the high-ceiling living room, and there on the divan was my boy, his head lowered in his hands and quite obviously touched. Quite obviously.
1: Roger, this young lady is here to see you. I
4: don't believe you mentioned your name. Candy Matson. Matson,
3: Are you in shipping too?
4: Mm, sort of.
3: You'll pardon me if I don't seem hospitable, Miss Matson, but my brother was murdered.
4: I know. I was sitting next to him when it happened. You were? Yes, Mr. Ellsworth. I don't want to take up much of your time, so I'll come right to the point. You see, I'm a private detective.
1: Oh, one of those persons.
4: Put your nose back down, Mrs. Ellsworth. Let me make my proposition. Yes, I'm a private detective, and I'm in a bit of a spot too. The police think that I'm connected to the case in some way, so I'm here for a double purpose. I'm listening, Miss Matson.
1: Roger, I don't think you should be speaking with this... this
4: woman. Too late, Mrs Ellsworth. Now, I can find out who killed your brother, but it'll take some money. Give me a cheque now for 300, and I'll find the murderer... And I'll also clear myself. Well, I don't know. Oh, naturally. You want to see the killer of your brother brought to justice, don't you, Mr Ellsworth? Roger. Don't you?
3: Yes, yes, of course. Here, I'll make the check out right now.
4: Thanks. Just make it out to Candy Matson payable today. A lovely collection of guns you have, Mr Ellsworth. Do you hunt much?
3: Oh, yes, yes, the whole family is quite fond of shooting. Uh, There you are.
4: Thank you. I'll be in touch with you sometime tomorrow. (laughs) The missus didn't say another word. She just stood there against the fireplace and shot sparks through me. After I waved the cheque in the air a few times to dry the ink, she showed me to the door.
1: Very clever, aren't you? Taking advantage of a weak-willed man.
4: I wonder who made him that way. Don't
1: cash that cheque. I mean it. Don't cash that cheque.
4: Mrs Ellsworth, three hundred dollars. I need the money badly. I need some new roles for my player piano. I buzz back downtown. I wanted to cash that cheque in a hurry. I only knew one person who would give me the crisp green at that hour of the night. Uncle Charlie, the honest miller who ran the chase room. Uncle Charlie, in the strict sense of the word, was a gentleman. So with a tender little pat to my cheek, he cashed the cheque, and I went up to Telegraph Helen home. All of a sudden, my eyes did a couple of inverted loops. All my lights were on. Who's in there? All right, speak up. Ah, Candy, light of my life. Come join our party. Oh, Rembrandt, you gave me a scare. You don't scare easy either, Candy. Got something on your mind? And Mallard, how ducky. Midnight soiree. What goes on here? Well,
1: the chicken you had in the icebox is delicious.
4: Was delicious. Looks like you've done everything but eat the bones.
1: And your vintage is superb. Do, Candy. Have a little formula. No,
4: no. Now, come on. What gives?
3: That's my line, Candy. What gives? You're in on something, and I want to know about it.
4: Oh, Mallard, believe me. It's nothing. I'm just trying to parlay a couple of
3: hunches. Tall hunches. Look at all of those clippings on the South Sea Island Steamship Company. What are they for?
1: I meant to tell you, Candy, I had remarkable success down at the Chronicle. There's everything you want on that steamship line.
4: Oh, Rembrandt, did you have to tell the whole world?
1: Candy, you tried me unnecessarily. I merely had the clippings on the table when Hawkshaw here walked in on me.
3: Okay, Candy, take it from there.
4: Oh, Nothing makes sense yet, Mallard. So there's really nothing to tell.
3: Really? How about where you were tonight?
4: Mm, here and there.
3: I knew I should have put a man on you. Save me some grief.
4: Two men would be better, I think. <sighs> two days, Mallard. Just give me two days to tie off about... Four loose ends, and I think I'll have it worked out.
3: Alright. But don't forget, the boys down at Kearney Street headquarters don't love you the way I do. Two days. No more, no less. I gotta go. Thanks for the foul chicken.
4: Here, Rembrandt, here's fifty dollars for you. Fifty! My word! What's all this talk about a recession? Oh go on and take it. Go someplace and stabilize the economy. I whipped through the old newspaper clippings. It was all there. Fire at sea on Ellsworth ship. Two seamen lost off Ellsworth ship near Honolulu. South Sea Island line ship loses rudder in storm. On and on it went, over a period of three years. I threw the papers back on the table and helped myself to Rembrandt's formula. Turned down the lights and went out onto the porch. The bay was dark, except for the occasional patch of light from from a passing freighter. I sat down to think, and think, and then click, click, just like that. Two little tumblers in my mind fell into place. There was only one thing to do, and that was to do it the hard way. The next morning, just as the ferry building sign was announcing the 8 o'clock to downtown San Francisco, I got Rembrandt on the phone.
1: Andy, what on earth are you calling me for at this hour?
4: I can't help it. There's work to be done.
1: I did my work last night so extremely well that I'm just going to bed now.
4: Sorry, you'll just have to delay your sack time. Meet me at the corner of Mason and Union in ten minutes, right where the cable car stops.
1: Now, what are we going to do?
4: We're going to take a cable car ride.
1: What? On one of those bouncing, junky little contraptions? Not with the way I feel this morning.
4: Union and Mason, in 10 minutes. Alright, Rembrandt, get on.
1: This is the silliest thing you've ever done, Candy.
4: Maybe. We'll see. Dwight Ellsworth was already one with the car when I got on here. And alive. How could you tell? He mumbled something when I asked him to move over. Sounds
1: logical. Although, I once remember stumbling into a cop who mumbled for hours.
4: Oh, Rembrandt was in one of his rambling moods, so I let him alone. The car pulled over Mason Street, down Washington, and then swung onto Powell and the hill. Now, I watched the buildings and apartments carefully. There was a little red brick building, now a big apartment house, a woman's residence club, and and so on. Then over the hill, more apartments, and then the possibilities petered out at Bush. Well, only one thing to do. Canvas all those blocks between Washington and Bush. Now, Rembrandt, off the car.
1: Yes, the strangest corpse I ever did see. Uh, What did you say, Candy?
4: Off the car, come on.
1: Now what? I just want to get to bed.
4: Well, not for a long time, boy blue. Now, here's the pitch. You take this building and I'll take the next. We'll alternate as we go along. Ask if a tall woman with a horsey face dressed something like Queen Victoria ever lived here. Oh, Candy. I know, I know. It sounds wide and wild even, but it's got to be done.
1: A horse with a tall face and dressed something
4: like... Oh, Rembrandt, look at me. Get that smoke out of your brain. A tall woman with a horsey face dressed something like Queen Victoria. You got it? Got it. Okay, get going. It was a slow and tiresome in the answers I got. A tall gal dressed like Queen Victoria?
3: Oh, sister.
4: That was about Pa. Nope, nobody like that ever lived here. Are you positive?
3: A dame who fits that description? Yeah, I'm positive.
4: Mm, The morning wore on and so did we. We were just over the other side of California Street now, so we stopped and had a little bite to eat. I had pickles with mine and Rembrandt had olives on toothpicks in a glass. Then again we picked up the hunt. (laughs) My heart was suddenly making a rumba. There just on the other side of clay in front of a three-story red brick house was a police squad car. There was a little knot of people gathered around. I walked down the block and up the front steps. I didn't have any trouble finding the room. The door was wide open and there was a body on the floor. Four representatives of the law were buzzing back and forth. and One of the buzzies was Mallard.
3: Well, my little ambassador of violence, why is it you're always around the extremely dead, Candy?
4: I've got no time to brandy the ad-libs, Mallard. Who is it?
3: Don't know yet. No identification.
4: Let me see. (gasps) Ah, a
3: pen pal maybe?
4: I was right. I knew it.
3: Knew it? Knew what?
4: Oh, you're right. He was a pen pal. He wrote me a check last night for $300. His name is Roger Ellsworth.
3: Very interesting. Must be open season on Ellsworths. Okay, Candy. Time you filled in the blanks. Start.
4: Wait a minute. I want to look at this window here. Hmm. Mallard, there are a couple of younger Ellsworths living around town. I'm sure you'd like to see them stay healthy, right? Yeah. Get out to 25 Dash Hill Road and pick up an old crone named also named Ellsworth. Five will get you twenty that she's the one you're after.
3: All right. But you get back to your place and stay put. I'll want to have a more illuminating chat with you.
4: Oh Mallard, I'm just like putty in your hands. The moon was coming up over Diablo and spraying a path of silver on the bay. Still no mallard. I wondered what could be wrong. This was it. This was the showdown.
1: Have you seen a tall Victorian face with a horse-sea-dressed woman?
4: Oh, Rembrandt. Candy, I'm so mad at you, I could...
1: Ugh, what's the use?
4: So oh, now what's the matter?
1: What's the matter, she says. I've been roving all over Powell Street, ringing
4: doorbells. Where did you go, you traitor? Oh, Rembrandt, I'm sorry. In the excitement. I I forgot about you. What excitement? There's been another murder. In a moment, there's
1: going to be another. I'm looking right at you, Candy. Oh,
4: cool off and have some formula and stop snorting steam. What was that? Your window, Candy. It just shattered. What? Wait a minute. That window didn't shatter by itself. Quick, get the lights, Rembrandt. Now, duck down here.
1: What sort of silly game are we playing now? Oh,
4: this isn't a game, believe me.
1: Candy! Candy, are you alright?
4: Yikes, it's the gum chew. Yes, I'm alright. Where are you, Mallard?
3: Over here. Two houses over. Got your girlfriend trapped on the roof next to you. Don't move and stay covered. Okay. Alright, Mrs Ellsworth coming down peacefully, or do we have to play cops and robbers?
1: I'm not coming down until I get that candy matzo!
4: That's your own way.
3: Okay,
1: loosen her up a bit, boys.
4: I'll keep your head down, Rembrandt. Oh,
1: is that what was up?
3: Ready to come down, Mrs. Ellsworth?
1: No, I'm not! That hateful woman! She's ruined all my plans with her snooping and prying. She's going to die, I tell you!
3: It was a miracle, Candy. You must have moved slightly, just as she shot at you.
4: It was too close, let me tell you. She's dead?
3: Oh, decidedly. I think she was dead before she hit the ground. What happened? Well, we went out to her house and she was just driving off. We trailed her to North Beach, lost her for a block and then spotted her car at the top of the hill here. We arrived just as she was getting on the roof next door. Okay, now you tell me your little dream.
4: It was the ship docking that set my wheels going around. The name Ellsworth started burning back somewhere. You saw the clippings Rembrandt dug up? Yeah. The South Sea Island steamship line was slowly being sabotaged. I did some checking and I found out that insurance companies weren't going to renew.
3: I don't know why I didn't tie that in sooner.
4: It's just that you had too many things on your mind, Mallard dear. (laughs) I went out to the place on Hill Road, and when I left, I was pretty sure that the old girl had knocked off her brother-in-law. Why? Well, several reasons. One, she was a venomous old witch. Two, you've never seen such a collection of guns in all your life. And according to Roger Ellsworth, they both enjoyed using them. I noticed a little pop gun that was very interesting. Had a silencer on it.
3: Uh Uh-huh. That was the one she used on you tonight.
4: And also, the one she used on Dwight Ellsworth from the window of that apartment where you found her husband. How do you know? Go back there. You'll see a nice little bullet hole in the curtain with burnt powder all around it. Now don't tell me... Yes, I'm telling you that they rented that place knowing that Dwight Ellsworth always went downtown on a certain cable car. She waited that morning until we were riding by and she popped him.
3: I have now heard everything.
4: Not everything the reason. Dwight Ellsworth, rather than fighting the insurance company, had decided to sell the steamship line. The old gal thought she'd beat him to the punch by knocking him off. The company would then fall into her husband's hands.
3: But what about her husband?
4: At first I thought he was just another weak-willed man with an overbearing wife, distraught over his brother's death. But now I'm not so sure. No? No, not when I think about that phone call.
3: What phone call?
4: Oh, just another little detail that slipped my mind until now.
3: Oh, I'll bet.
4: I got a phone call the other day after I met with the Ellsworths at Seacliff, telling me to lay off the case. Looking back on it, the call could have only been placed by Roger Ellsworth. So despite all the boo-hoo-hoo tears, looks like he was in on it from the beginning. Then with me poking around, they probably got nervous and at some point the missus no longer trusted hubby and decided... She'd be better off without him.
3: (laughs) No honour among killers.
4: (laughs) Somehow she lured him down to that place on Powell, gave him some lead poisoning too, planning to inherit the whole caboodle herself, and then, to be safe, to be sure she was safe, I was her next in her sights.
3: But I don't get why Ellsworth paid you to look into something he'd want to keep hush-hush.
4: Well, it'd look suspicious if he refused to help finding his brother's killer. And I don't think he planned on me living long enough to figure the scheme out or cash the cheque. Then when he cashed out first, thanks to his wife, who saved me some trouble. Trouble? If she hadn't killed him, I was going to. What? While I was waiting for you to get back here, the phone rang. It was Uncle Charlie at the chase room. Roger Ellsworth's check bounced like a brand new golf ball. <laughs> What's so funny, Mallard?
3: Uh, listen in again to the adventures of Candy Matson, Girl Sucker.
0: Candy Matson was not the only standout woman in 1949. There were also others who made their mark in the areas of life such as entertainment, the arts, sports, and indeed almost everywhere. It is here on the Radio Play Hour that we would like to offer a couple of examples. In sport, Shirley
2: Strickland. She won more Olympic medals in running sports than any other Australian. Her events included 100, 400 metres and 80 metre hurdles. Her Olympic tally alone included three gold at Helsinki in 1952 and Melbourne in 1956, as well as four silver going back to the 1948 London Olympics. She also won three gold in the British
0: Empire Games, as well as two silver. In the arts, Simone de Bouvier. This French writer's book, The Second Sex, was the most popular woman's writer's work in 1949, coming in overall at number five. The book, considered one of the author's most important works, discusses the treatment of women in history, and is considered a major work for feminist philosophy. It is considered the starting point of the second wave feminism which took off more than a decade after publication. In medicine, Sai Fan Yu, a
2: Chinese-American physician who was the first woman appointed as a full professor at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine who helped to develop drugs into the control of gouts. Thank you, Sai Fan
0: Yu. You have just heard the radio play hour Candy Matson and the Cable Car Murder. To find out more about Candy Matson or listen to some of the original recordings, you can find them on the internet. It's time now for us all to travel back to the normal. The Radio Play Hour will return in October with its Halloween special. For more details, subscribe to our email database on the Drama Merchant website or follow us on Facebook and Instagram under the Drama Merchant. We now leave you again with auras Like Auroras and their cover of Stop Dragging My Heart Around, originally written and performed by Stevie Nicks and Tom Petty.
3: This is a song about dragons.
1: come knocking on my front door. Same old line you used to use before. I said, yeah, well, what am I supposed to do? I didn't know what I was getting into. So you've had a little trouble in town. Now you're keeping some demon down. Stop dragging It's to think about what you got This doesn't have to be the big bad even This doesn't have to be
3: anything at all I know you really want to tell me goodbye I know you really want to be your own girl
1: Baby, you can never look me in the eye Yeah, you buckle with the weight the of- Take a meal of some bright-eyed kid You need someone looking after I yeah. can